kind of fun to take, find songs out of the old blue Psalter again. We kind of put that book away and we don't see it, you know. And uh, I got one on my desk yet, and it's good to sing some of these old hymns that haven't sung for a while in quite the same way or maybe in the same tune. Our Bible reading for this morning is from the book of Hosea, the prophet Hosea. <clears throat> it's uh, page 953, my Bible. We're going to read chapter 1 and chapter 3, but focus our attention basically on chapter 3, because these two chapters are tied together. And in between, God promises his judgment on an unfaithful Israel. I call this, I call this a visual parable. Visual parable. Hosea chapter 1, the word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beeri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and the day, in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take to yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredoms by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Bidliam, and she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. In that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore a daughter, and the Lord said, Call her name, No Mercy, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or, or by horsemen. When she had weaned No Mercy, she conceived and bore a son, and the Lord called said, call his name, not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet, the number of the children of Israel will be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be me measured or numbered, and in the place where it is said to them, you are not my people, it will be said to them, children of the living God. And the children of Judah and the children of Israel will be gathered together, and they shall appoint for themselves one head. And they shall go from the, from the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. <clears throat> then we turn to chapter 3. And the Lord said to me, Go again, marry a woman who, who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I bought her for fifteen shekels of silver and an omer and a lethak of barley. And I said to her, You must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be with you. 
For the children of Israel will dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They shall live in fear and in his goodness, the fear of the Lord and in his goodness in the latter days. And God bless the reading of his word. Again, I'm dealing, when I put this together, I deal with a little different translation than you have, so it will be some additions or some uh, different translations of some words as we, we go through it. But we started with uh, Hosea chapter 1, where we found Hosea, who is a, was a contemporary of Isaiah, giving to us a visual demonstration how things stood between a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God and a covenant-breaking Israel. Hosea is told to marry a woman named Gomer. In the visual parable, Hosea represented God and Gomer represented the ten tribes of the northern kingdom of Israel. Hosea was to love Gomer even though Gomer would prove to be unfaithful to Hosea. They had three children, and God told Hosea what to name each child. Each name spoke of how things stood between God and Israel. The first son was named Jezreel, meaning I'm going to punish the house of Israel for their disobedience, for their adultery in giving allegiance to other gods. Israel will soon be scattered. Then Gomer had a second child, and God said, you must name this daughter, your version says no mercy, in the original language it's lo ruhama, because I will no longer show mercy to the house of Israel. This is how serious Israel's unfaithfulness and adultery, spiritual adultery had become. The second child was barely, barely weaned when Gomer had a third child, a son, and God said, name him Loami, because you are no longer my people. That's what it says in, your, in the version I read here. The name meant, you are no longer my people. The marriage covenant of grace between God and Israel had been, it seemed, irreparable, incomparably in, broken. Unrepairably broken. That's what we're trying to say. Sorry. But had it? Had it really been broken? Because chapter 1 ends with a marvelous promise of covenant renewal and covenant restoration. God will restore the basic promises of the covenant, he promises. There will come a time when Israel will be like the sands of the seashore in number when a people who deserve to be scattered will again be gathered, when a people who deserve to be called not loved will again be loved, and when a people who are worthy to be called no longer my people will again be called my people. Thus concludes chapter 1, which Dr. James Montgomery Boyce calls the second greatest story in the Bible. That brings us to chapter 3, which this same Dr. Boyce calls one of the greatest chapters in the Bible, Hosea chapter 3. 
Chapter 3 continues that visual parable of Hosea and Gomer in a way that prompts us to ask the question, can God really love like that? Because the adultery of Israel, represented by Gomer, had led to a slippery slope downhill, a spiritual slide downhill driven by diminished love for God because love that was direct, should be directed to God was directed to idols, to foreign gods, gods that were no gods. Their slippery slope downhill was moved by a refusal to acknowledge God in the land. There was so little respect for the law, the word of God. Worship practices moved in the direction of making sacrifices to God like Baal and Asherah and all the others and uh, loving the sacred raisin cakes that came along with these sacrifices to these gods, whatever those sacred raisin cakes were. And Gomer, in her unfaithfulness to her marriage vows to Hosea, symbolized all of this. Her adultery mirrored Israel's spiritual adultery. Her devotion to sexual promiscuity and pleasure-capturing and party-going captured the visual image of Israel's unfaithfulness to their, to their God, their covenant God. In fact, Gomer, representing Israel, had, it, had fallen so far away from God that she was a slave. She left Gomer. She enslaved herself to all kinds of sexual pleasure and chasing adulterous affairs so that finally she was she lost anything of value. And so her debt was so deep that it could not be paid off. And so we have a picture of her creditors assigning her to be sold as a slave at a slave auction. Maybe they could recoup some of their losses. Well, God informed Hosea of the date and time of that slave auction, when and where it would be held, and gave him some specific instructions. God said, go show love to your wife again, even though she is loved by another and is an adulteress. A very human Hosea might have asked himself the question, can I do that? Boy, that's asking an awful lot, God. She's hurt me and our three kids. She chased every male that winked at her. She thought of little else but her own pleasure, her own party going. How can I do this? But then we can imagine that Hosea remembered who he represented in this visual parable. It was not about him. It was about God. The covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. Hosea represented somebody far bigger than himself. So Hosea went to the slave auction. He waited for Gomer to be marched up to the auction block. He watched as they as she was stripped naked so that any bidder could know exactly what they were getting. She attracted some attention because somebody bid five shekels of silver for her. Hosea knew what he had to do. He raised his bid to eight shekels. Another interested party maybe bid ten shekels and Hosea bid eleven. The other man bid twelve shekels. Hosea bid fifteen shekels and a and a, a bushel of barley. 
The other man, the other bidder shook his head and the auctioneer and said no and the auctioneer dropped his gavel and said sold to Hosea. Now she was his again. Now he could do with her what he wanted. He could even put her to death. He could degrade her to the level of a slave where she would do all the dirty work in the house, cleaning the toilets and all of that. But no, the command was to love her. Can anybody really love something like that? Someone like that? True, you must live with me, not someone else. You've got to stop fooling around with other men. You must be faithful to me, and I promise I will live with you. The reason why Dr. James Boyce calls this the greatest chapter of the Bible is because it pictures the love that all of us ought to be intimately acquainted with, a love that we have experienced. A love that moves us to ask the question, can God really love like that? Because you see, ever since the fall of our first parents in paradise, we humans have put ourselves on the auction block designed for slaves. Slaves to sin, slaves to vices, slaves to pleasure and power, slaves to my self-interest, slaves to a variety of idols that are not God, slaves to games, slaves to round things that we dunk or, or dribble or hit with a wooden stick. Or a, or a metal stick. Slaves to requiring shiny things bigger and better than my neighbor. Slaves to too much food and drink. Slaves to, to habits and addictions. And finally, slaves to death. Paul put our situation correctly when quoting various psalms. He said these words, There is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. There's no fear of God before their eyes. In a real sense, we like slaves have been stripped naked of all deserving or all worthy, laid bare in the sight of our Creator. Early on, the, the evil one, the devil, entered a bid on our behalf, a bid for our loyalty. He promised more freedom from God than he could deliver. He promised that we would be like God, knowing good and evil. Our parents accepted that bid. Along the way, wealth has made its bid for our loyalty, for our allegiance. Only I was richer. If only I was a rich man. Wealth promises to be the cure of all our ills. Pleasure bids with a promise to make us happy and to give us lasting joy. Sports bids with a promise to make stars out of us and put, put us into some kind of hall of fame of eternal remembrance. Remember that shot that I made in 55? Material things like houses and land and clothes make their bid to elevate our status and enlarge our worth. But then 
in the fullness of time, there is God's bid. In Bethlehem, in Calvary, God entered the slave auction market and participated in the bidding. I bid my son, the gift of my son. I bid his taking on human flesh and sensing among you for a while, walking in your dirt, walking in your mud. I bid his willingness to take on the guilt of the sin of my people and to bear the curse of the cross where his blood would be shed for my people just as I promised in the covenant of grace. And that sacrifice on the cross would be followed by a, by a visual resurrection earning for my people redemption and new life and the forgiveness of sins and resurrection from the dead and eternal life. The most costly bid of all for our loyalty. That bid for our freedom, that bid for our salvation, our peace, our hope must be accepted by us in faith. Jesus himself put it this way, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already because he has not believed in God's own son, his one and only son. Later on, Peter added these words, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, from the empty way of life handed down to you from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, the Lamb without blemish and defect. Yes, God can really love like that. He showed his love when he paid the highest price for our redemption and salvation. This evening we have the opportunity to eat and drink in remembrance of the price that was paid for us. But such love now demands our loyalty and our obedience. This is what Hosea told Gomer. I redeemed you for 15 shekels of silver and a bushel of barley. You are now to live with me many days. You are not to prostitute yourself to any man. But I promise, and I promise I will live with you. Like, God, like Gomer, we owe God for the high price he paid for our redemption. We don't owe our allegiance to the gods of the culture, be that power or, or wealth or pleasure or homes or land or, 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 or round balls that bounce. Every bid these things make in the slave market are to be rejected <clears throat> because, of the, because the gods of the culture make cheap promises, promises that they cannot deliver on. For the creator covenant God who paid the highest price asks for our worship, our thanksgiving, our acknowledgement of him as we live our lives, as we eat and drink, as we buy and sell, as we sow and as we reap. As we handle our money and run our businesses and run our households as we train our children. He asks that we serve him and avoid what is impossible to try to serve two masters. 
He asks that we give voice to the Lordship of Jesus Christ over all of life. The, the, the high price payer for our redemption. We talk politics and we bemoan the, the state of the economy when we worry about rising prices and recessions and war. We worry about the future our children, our grandchildren may face. Remember, we serve a risen Lord. We, we serve the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Because the covenant God whose highest price, highest bid in the slave market for our redemption was accepted and must be accepted by us, that God promises, as Hosea promised Gomer, I will live with you. I will care for you. Yes, former slaves, God can really love like that. And he has in Christ. And then as if to punctuate his ability to love slaves like us as he did in Christ Jesus, God uses the prophet Hosea to look ahead. To look ahead to God gathering Israel back to himself. He said those ten tribes of Israel that brought on themselves by their adulteries, this scattering, this exile, they will live many days, he said, without prince or, or king or sacrifice, without priests. But the plan of God, says Hosea, is that a new Israel will be established, a body of people loved by God in Jesus Christ who will follow the Lord and his son, Jesus Christ. There will be a body of people who come trembling to the Lord, to his blessing in the last days. Some folks think this refers to modern-day Israel, that there will be a wholesale return to the Lord in the nation of Israel. That we don't know. We wait and see. But Hosea is promising the gathering of a new Israel in the future. We call it the church. A body of people that God bought with the price of his son to gather people out of every nation and language into eternal fellowship with God. And so as members of that new body of redeemed people, we are called to a new life of obedience and allegiance to this God for his love and his grace. We are duty-bound to faithfulness to the one who paid that highest price for our redemption and our freedom. We're duty-bound to tell that story, the greatest story in the Bible, so that people may believe in the Son, Jesus, who paid that price, who set them free. The people around the world may know that they have been loved by a gracious love, of, by, by a gracious God. They've been bought back by the costly love of God. People need to know in, in the right way God can really love like that as he has in Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, thank you for this visual parable demonstrating to us your love. Letting us see it in, in a sense living color. Hosea loving one who had prostrated herself. We've all in that sense followed the same pattern. We deserve your judgment. But you've come to us in Jesus Christ. You, you've made a bid for our allegiance and our loyalty. 
in the, in the person of Christ Jesus. So as we go out from here, help us to renew our determination to serve, to love, to obey, because we owe much to the God who has so loved us that he gave his only Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish and have eternal life. Make that real and possible for all of us through the power of your word and your Holy Spirit.